We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And first, let us start. I want to congratulate you, Mike. You're, uh, according to the press release at least, about to start your 10th year as the Lakers sideline reporter. I thought thought you were in like year 12 or 13. Am I wrong there or is there? What's the discrepancy there? Well, thank you. Uh, that's kind of you to say. I was not expecting us to go in that direction. I So 2008 was when I came to the Lakers and started, but I was just doing, you know, Lakers.com, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then once uh, the main man, John Ireland, went from sideline reporter to play-by-play, um, I started doing sideline just, so my first year was just KCAL road games. Remember how it was KCAL road yeah. and then Fox uh-huh. Blitz, and then- so- Fox home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Geeter did a lot of the home games and then oh, I'm trying to remember who, um, who else it was. was that uh, Patrick O'Neill Was that during his days? You know, Patrick didn't do, Patrick wasn't doing Lakers sideline. He would do some, he would come in sometimes to do like pre or post or something like that. Um, it'll, it'll come back to me at some point, but yeah. So then that was in that spectrum, or I guess at the time it was time Warner cable sports net, right. That launched mm-hmm. in 2012 with, uh, with Dwight, with Nash, with the sports illustrated cover, Right with Kobe and Powell, so that was my first full year doing sideline. So that's now, yeah. So that'll be the, I guess it's the, 
Yeah, they said they said 10th on there, but it strikes me that it's actually I guess that would be 10. Yeah, start because 2020. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the 10th full uh, full time season now. Yeah. So there we go. So, yeah, awesome. so I'm back. I'm back. Well, we're we're lucky to have you. And by the time this is published, it'll be a game day. Right. And so in this pod, we're going to uh, going to preview. It's going to be in, in two segments. And in the first segment, we're going to talk about what we're looking forward to seeing in in this uh, in this preseason. And I'm very much of the belief that every part of the season is going to need to have a point to it, that if we're just waiting for the playoffs to come around, then that's a recipe for for failure. Right. And so making sure that even though we know we're an upper echelon team that there's work getting done uh, at every place along the way. And the preseason is one of those steps. But before we even get into any of that, uh, just from a fun standpoint, Darius, like, what are you looking forward to? Just like what makes you when you turn on your TV tomorrow, like, huh, I wonder what what this guy is going to do or what this is going to look like? What kind of pings on your radar there? I mean, so all of the new guys, for sure, man, like I'm always super interested in what a new guy looks like in a new situation. And I feel like the Lakers roster has turned over by half almost every single season. So there's always an element of that. Before, though, there was also the intrigue of young players. Right. And right. so like, oh, it, it's like yeah. D'Angelo Russell better or Lonzo Ball or what's Brandon Ingram look like or Julius Randle or whatever. Now, though, look, the Lakers got some big time additions. I want to see how those guys look, even if it's in limited minutes. If I was talking about a holdover guy, though, THT, man, I want to see Taylor Horton Tucker. And I'm assuming he's going to get some good run tomorrow so so i'm interested in just seeing what he looks like vogel has brought him up like not only this preseason or during the offseason but even last year he would unprompted just mention him and so i get the sense the lakers are high on him internally mike you could probably speak to that a little bit too but but i'm interested in seeing him develop the last glimpse we had of him was was him sort of like oh look at tht like yeah again, against um the rockets so like can can he build on that and start to show a, a little bit more so so those things especially mike how about you yeah well first of all tht is a good call and he is that that is one of the guys that frank vocal just unprompted brought up as somebody who's looking really good and it is it's exciting just to think about him being the second youngest player in the nba last year and vogel started talking about him at the end of the series against portland as just somebody who to kind of keep an eye on and then all of a sudden he's playing in the houston series and a couple of legitimate high leverage minutes as a backup guard and that caught my eye just the fact that he went in then he played really well He's shooting threes. He's getting into the paint. Uh, and, and then he clearly continued his development. He looks good from like just looking at him, look at a photo of him from this last week on like yes. Lakers yeah. IG yeah. or Lakers yeah. scene. You can see, you know, like the even for his face, like he just he looks a little bit more sleek. Right. And so I'm I echo that. But last night on Spectrum, they asked us kind of, OK, what what are you looking forward to most? Which player are you looking forward to seeing? And Bresnahan said Schroeder, um, certainly a good answer. Looking forward to seeing him. Absolutely. But my my first inclination is Montrez Harrell. I, I just we, we know they're playing tomorrow. Right. Or I right. guess when people listen yeah. to this, like yeah, they're yeah. playing against mm -hmm. the Clippers. Now, I right. get that it's preseason, but. Something tells me that Trez is going to be like a little bit extra motivated uh, against the Clippers this season. And so set even set that aside, 
I'm just curious to see how he looks in this kind of prove it year for him uh, and how he complements the rest of the Lakers roster is fine. But take all that out, Pete. I just want to see how Harold balls and how he looks in the purple and gold. Yeah, it's kind of like we're going on our, our first dates. Uh, we've agreed to go out right and with the new players, but it's kind of like getting to know you a little bit. You know, like I I'm I know Caruso's game, like the back of my hand, Kuz, uh, LeBron has got such a rich game that I don't feel like I've I really know his game like the back of my hand. But I know a lot of like LeBron's going to do this in that that situation. I know you guys are similar. Like there's once you get to know a player, it, it gets to that point. And with these new guys, it's like I've watched some tape on them and I'm excited, but I'm that process of getting to know a new addition uh, is is exciting to me. That said, it's still preseason for guys like Harrell, guys like Dennis Schroeder, Wesley Matthews. And I will like it'll be fun to see them, but I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. Whereas with guys like THT, Devontae Kaycock, there are certain guys on this roster where it's like, oh, it's not preseason for you. Right. It's preseason for the team. But this like this should be this is your opportunity to get a lot of run and to make as strong of a case as you possibly can in games against another team. Right. Because practices are going to dwindle. This is a season that has a lot of back to back to backs. If you're an end of the bench guy, there's not going to be a lot of practices where everybody's going 100 percent. And so your opportunities to make your case are coming up right now. And so those are the guys. And that goes from our, our young guys, the end of the bench guys, all the way down to the exhibit 10 guys. Right. So that's to me, the the purpose of this year is to build on that environment of competitiveness that was built last year. And so I want to be coming in hot, even in these preseason games. None of, none of this like, oh, it's just the preseason, like put out the guys who can go out there for, you know, 25, 30 minutes and bring everything that they have and in a way that benefits them and the team. Yeah. So that leads me to a question then. The Lakers are one of the teams who has who have actually played basketball more recently than almost any other team. How sloppy do you expect them to be like? I know preseason is is often one one of those scenarios where it's like, ah, you know, it's preseason. They haven't played and you, you know, and that's still true. Right. It's it's been a couple of months, but along the same lines, it has been a quick turnaround. Do you how much rust do you guys expect? How sloppy do you expect these guys to look? Well, definitely more sloppy than the most the most recent that we saw them. They were quite sharp okay, uh, in the postseason sure. and playing in the same building, not traveling. And, you know, they had the odd off game, but they. Frank Vogel has alluded to this multiple times on these Zoom calls that we get on, and he he wants to maintain this the certain standard that they're looking for, but he's more than aware that they are still a long way to go in terms of building, and whether that's integrating new guys or just getting LeBron and AD up to game speed, uh, all of that stuff is going to take some time. And from what I've been hearing about practices, the guys that look really good are some of the younger guys. And, and that's kind of to be expected. Caruso looks great. KCP um, playing really well. Schroeder and Harrell, like these guys that uh, th- that are coming in around that, you know, between the ages of 25 and 28. That's it's kind of what you would expect to an extent. And then I think the vets who have been there a million times and know that this is a an atypical year are going are kind of biding their time at least to some extent. 
So th- how is that going to translate to games and starting on, on Friday night against the Clippers? For sure, expect to see some of that sloppiness. And also, the rotations are going to be all out of whack. Because even when they're in practice, LeBron and AD are the staples of it. And so when you take them out, it's guys that are not going to play, that haven't played together much in practice, that aren't going to play together much in the regular season. And what does that create? Sloppiness. So, yeah, I, I expect that to, uh, to be coming and will be trying to be patient um, while watching it. Yeah, I think the sloppiness is going to be there, but it's going to be more a function of unfamiliarity than rust, right? It's new guys incorporating with new teammates and uh, in this fairly quick, quick turnaround, right? But it's it's different players coming from different places. That's part of the thing about the turnaround is like Montrez Harrell stopped playing at a different point than the Lakers that are returning did versus Schroeder versus uh, you know, Wes Matthews. Although that said, you know, a lot of the guy, pretty much everybody were brought in, at least went to the bubble. There's not somebody who, you know, was part of a team that didn't even, that hasn't played in nine months, but uh, that, yeah, that unfamiliarity there's, I want to see if we're bad, I want us to see us be bad in a, Oh, we committed 24 turnovers tonight. Right. Because this guy made a pass that the timing's not quite there. There's like, I want to see the effort. I want to see the, whoever you throw out there, right. Like, and sit anybody who's not, it's not their time yet or play them limited minutes, but maintaining that standard. That's something I've really noticed in Vogel's comments throughout from, from the beginning is like, and even Polinka, when he spoke, he was like, Oh no, we're, you know, Vogel's let me know that that this is going to be a defensive team, right? Like that's, uh, his number one goal. And so in order to instill that, that's a day one type of thing. And it's got nothing to do with your expectations, got nothing to do with where you're supposed to finish. These are habits that matter. And uh, because if we take care of this stuff, we eat our vegetables, so to speak, the talent's going to take care of the rest. Can So I feel like I'm an interviewer now because all I have is questions right now. <laughs> because m- when you were talking right there, for some reason, my mind started to go to Marcus Soul as just a guy who I'm interested in watching tomorrow for or tonight, the day that you're listening to this. Because Mark's the type of guy that I feel like doesn't have an off switch, right? Like, Mm-hmm. I feel like he he is he is the type of guy that is that is going to play hard that however many minutes he's on the floor there's like a certain floor that he's mm-hmm. going to operate at right and we got a few of those dudes too they, yeah. he's not the only one yeah but it's been interesting because there's been several quotes I feel like from players um this week KCP had some really nice things to say about Mark Gasol Braun had mentioned the feel that he's showing in practice. We've seen some clips that have been put up by the Lakers and, oh, look, there's Gasol like hitting a little fade jumper or pick and pop action. And almost every other player that is new brings an element that the Lakers are somewhat used to in some way, shape or form, right? Like Harold's probably the furthest away from that idea, but even he has some of that AD in him, right? In terms of like really getting after it in the post and attacking the offensive glass and playing with athleticism as, as a big Schroeder has been often comp to Rondo, right? And, and, um, and I think the playoff version of Rondo, especially where he was getting downhill a lot, really attacking the basket and, and using quickness at sort of a small, smaller frame. And obviously, 
Wes is almost like a direct analog to Danny Green, particularly offensively and the types of shots he's going to take, even if it's not within the same sort of structure, right? Maybe moving off of more screens and whatnot. But the Lakers haven't had a big man like Gasol since his brother, basically. That's true. Right. And like the the shooting, the like high IQ on both sides of the floor, the feel that he shows as as a big man. And, you know, Mike, before we started started to record, you were actually talking to us some about Gasol. and, And you said that you were sort of had an eyebrow raise about some of his comments from media availability today. Why don't you share some some of that with us? Because he's been on my mind now more and more, even from before the pod and then even as Pete was talking there. Yeah, there, so there are two two different paths here. And, and I'll, let me get to that second one uh, in a second. But just, just in terms of what Gasol has been doing in practice so far and then how that's going to play out early in the season because you guys mentioned the the off switch uh, that he is one of the guys that has less of that uh, i also think that he's you know he's been through long seasons the last couple of years and he we we know that Powell was really good about managing sort of when he was going to um, get to that maximum level and so i think there may be i'm going to try to be patient also with like how mark looks against the Clippers in preseason game one, I do think that he is going to, that's going to evolve as the season goes on. So I do want to be patient on that front. But with all of that said, uh, the way that he's looked in practice, according to some of the, the people that have been there, uh, the thing that stands out the most is his passing. And, and that from that position, sure, like the shooting helps too, mid-range from three, they haven't had that pick and pop guy. But think about if LeBron and AD are on the floor and you've got shooters in the, those other two spots or like a cutter, like Caruso or Kuzma, you know, that's going to, that really exponentially increases the playbook um, as to, or, or even, or it doesn't need to increase the playbook, right? You just sort of give him the ball and let him decide. And so that, that I think is going to be the biggest element that stands out to me. And then Darius to get directly to what he was saying in practice today. Um, that was more of, I, I just find it interesting for somebody that's been around so much to like, Mark, what do you think, you know, what has stood out of practice? And the first thing he said was LeBron, uh, just how much he talks, how much he knows about everything, offense, defense, how he's this connective thread for everything. Uh, so th- we know that, but hearing it, it just means a lot more coming from Marcus All, right, mm-hmm. than it does from uh, from somebody else who's impressed with LeBron. Like Quinn Cook talked today, who was LeBron was his hero growing up. And so he's always loved LeBron. And you're going to hear tons of positivity from Quinn Cook. It means something, too. Um, but, you know, from Mark, it was just like basketball praise in, in his mind. So that was interesting. And then Mark said that he was he pointed out the quick passing, the elevated tempo, the high IQ, and then the detail from the coaching staff. So these are all good signs that you would want to hear from somebody coming in that's unbiased. That's like Mark. Mark doesn't BS. He he off, he sometimes will cut the question off because he wants to get to his thought. Like he he's going to tell you what he thinks. And, and in this case, uh, he's been impressed so far. And, so that's uh, I, I'm with you right there, Darius, whether it's on floor, off floor. I'm very interested in all that's going on with Marcus Hall at the moment. Yeah, those are very specific um, praises, too. Right. It's a, it's very specific about basketball. And all of it goes to that idea of becoming experts. Right. And being experts at their jobs. And that's something that I think Gasol's one of the. I've mentioned before that he replaced some of what we lost with Rondo and just that brilliance about basketball that, and, and those are so specific 
you know, praises that it really makes me excited for. And and then what he was talking about, like with the the tempo and the movement and all of that, that's something Darius made a point several pods ago about our early offense with respect to Mark being being added to the team. And that's I want to talk about that a little bit more because when the Lakers half court offense was bad last year, it was stagnant by nature, right? It was a lot of AD or LeBron, four other guys watching, and it could be kind of clunky. Going from JaVale and Dwight to Mark Gasol in this respect is a complete 180, right? In terms of that passing and feel that, that Darius was talking about a moment ago. And a lot of that shows up in early offense, right? Where the Warriors run a lot of flow offense, right? They were the team that really, really popularized that. And without getting too deep into the weeds, Flow offense is what it sounds like, right? You're supposed to flow from one action to the next, being able to make read and react decisions. And so theoretically in a flow offense, if the shot clock was 240 seconds long instead of 24 seconds long, you could still be playing 235, 240 seconds into that shot clock because you're just reading and reacting on principles into infinity if you want, right? And Gasol plays that type of basketball. Now, Darius, do you think that that is kind of that very much appeals to my basketball brain? And I know it does you too, in terms of just like aesthetic appeal to what I what we love about the game. LeBron and AD, though, are two of the very best in the world at that more stationary isolation sure. type of game. Do they have to adjust to like if we're running sets through Marc Gasol? I'm sorry, I said we're going to get to the early offense stuff. Maybe we end up getting there, but um, if they're running early offense or or just half court sets through him, that's a lot of screening. It's a lot of cutting. It's a completely different style of basketball. Is there any is there anything in that that is an adjustment? How how do you see that working out with that group of players? That's an interesting question, and I hadn't in their own way. LeBron and AD are both ball stoppers. Mm-hmm. Right. And th- it, it that can often be used as a negative connotation. But when you're one of the best players in the world and you're one of the best finishers in the world, the ball stopping with you is often one of the best options that you can have. Right. Because now I have the ball. I'm LeBron James. Guess what? I'm going to do something with it in order to compromise the defense. I do think that every player on the court can benefit from another player who passes the ball well and who sees the floor well, especially if that player has size, right? And so one of my favorite plays last year, and this isn't like an individual play, but it showed up even in like the all-star game when AD would often just sort of make eye contact with, with Braun and then he would duck in right? Or he would flash backside for a quick lob, right? And Braun did that with Dwight and he did that with, with JaVale as well. It's harder to do that with AD because AD ha- always has so much attention on him. Mm-hmm. But when AD does get the opportunity to duck in, Braun would often be looking for him. And Rondo did as well a lot. Mm-hmm. How many times would you see a situation where it would have to be AD at the top of the floor and it would be Dwight or JaVale who were ducking in, right? And the reason why AD was at the top of the floor is because he was the big man who had that skill set to play on the perimeter. 
And so what excites me some about Gasol and that passing ability and the ability to play through him, especially at the top, top of the key. And this can be an early offense via delay actions, or it can be in normal half court sets is that those high, low opportunities, which LeBron can play as a big as well. AD can play as, as a big, those things excite me. LeBron's an excellent cutter as well. AD is a great screener. LeBron is a great screener. I think that Vogel would have loved to use those guys more in those situations, but they had to have the ball too much in their own hands to be able to do it. It's one of the reasons why playoff Rondo as an idea was so appealing and why I think Schroeder as an idea this season is also appealing. It's to put those guys in more off-ball situations. So if you can do that with your point guard and your center, Right, which are things the Lakers could not do in last year's starting lineup, but potentially will in this year's starting lineup. Just like Mike was saying, it opens up the playbook to give you more more options, but within the playbook that already exists, more options open up within the sets that are already there. Right. And so when Vogel came on board, I thought we were going to see much more of the motion stuff that he did in like Orlando and even some of the stuff that he did in Indiana. Right. Like screen to screener actions, getting bigs to come off multiple picks before they could get into their spots. He did a bunch of stuff with Vucevic in in Orlando that I thought was creative to try to get Mm -hmm. to try to get him the ball. But we didn't see a lot of that last season. I think having a Gasol on the floor helps with that stuff. Maybe I'm too optimistic, though. That's a fun rundown of the half court offense that I've been thinking about because to me, it still centers around how LeBron sees things in this group and what he wants out of it. But he had so many, so much of the playmaking responsibility uh, until you brought in a Caruso or a Rondo alongside him. And guess what? They did great with it. So it's not like that was a problem. But if he's out there and not only does he have Schroeder on the other side of the court, but he's got Marcus Saul who not only can playmake as we just talked about, but is vacating the post area that was often occupied by either JaVale uh, or Dwight. That just creates like, like LeBron can basically do even more of what he wants. Does he, I'm guessing he's not going to want to post up a ton, especially in the regular season, but he can do that anytime he wants. Um, he can clear out and just take his guy to the rim and kick out to the corner three or finish. Like he, there's so many options there and same thing for AD. So that's that's going to be something, uh, Pete, that once LeBron and AD get going into this mix, and, and again, it's going to be a bit, I wouldn't expect to see a, a, a ton, a tonnage of this in the preseason. Maybe they play in a couple games, because uh, as Vogel said, he doesn't want them to just start, you know, in December 22nd without having played in any preseason. But that LeBron offensive half court action to me is is going to be real different from last year if he wants it to be. And if he doesn't want it to be, they can do that too. <laughs> they can just give him the ball and they're oh, sure. out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's part of the beauty of it is Mark Gasol can full well be a weak side shooter, right. Or, a you know, space the floor and be at the top of the key while LeBron's at the wing and you have to respect him. You have to use a 38% three point shooter last season. And it has been a, a quality one for a, a few years now. Right. Kind of, kind of like if Keith uh, was in the game, you know, you know, same, same kind of thing, that's except right. that he's, he's going to defend the post a little bit differently on the other end. But you know, those were the lineups against Houston specifically when Marquise just sitting out there and remember how many, I think it was in two different games that he hit like three or four threes in the first quarter. Right. That's and, right. Yeah. And so that's yeah, because you because you scout the Lakers a certain way. And when they don't have to have a guy in that dunker spot and he's just out there ready to pop threes, uh, he's going to get open looks, man. He's going to get that's open right. looks. 
Absolutely. And part of that flow, though, of getting open looks, not just for him, but for others and and LeBron and AD is in that early offense, offensive space, right? Where the so there, there are two parts of a playbook. I've mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. There's two parts of, the, of, a, of a playbook, right? There's one in which you play by principle. And you do that when you get a defensive rebound or you get the ball not off of a whistle, right? So even if it's a made shot, a lot of times teams are going to come down and rather than set everybody up and run a play, you play off of certain principles. The other part is when is your actual play calls, right? Now, the reason that you would go to the first one, more play by principle, is you are able to be more of a quick strike offense. You don't have to wait for everybody to get to their spots. And because when you wait for everybody to get to your spots, you've also given the defense time to get to their spots. And the whole point of half court offense is to not get into a five on five and to create these little four on threes or two on ones at different parts where you create advantage. That's the whole point. So if you can get your offense started before everybody's set up all the better, well, what do you need to be able to do to be able to do that effectively? You have to be able to read the defense. Oh, this guy's playing a little bit uh, too high on the, t- on the top side, right? That's going to be a back cut to the basket. And then the passer, the guy at the top of the key, who a lot of times is going to be Mark Gasol because he'll be the slowest guy on the court. He'll be the rebounder or or a guy that boxes out more than rebounds himself. Um, And he'll be trailing, right? He'll be that trailer. And so a lot of times in early offense, you're sprinting to deep corners off of the ball. You're trying to fill them wings. And then you're throwing the ball to the guy at the top of the key. And then you're running your wide pin down screen. Or uh, uh, there's a bunch of different actions you can run off of throwing the ball to your five at the top of the key. We see Jokic is really the main guy in this. But this happens all over the league. And so not having to wait for everybody to get set up, when you've got minds like... LeBron and and Anthony Davis as well uh, operating off of a mind like Marcus Soul. There's all of these much more quick hitting type of action where even Wes Matthews is a, a good cutter as well. Where Darius, I'm just super excited to see the first, I don't know, the first eight seconds of our offense or the first ten seconds of our offense this season in a way that that dynamic didn't exist last year. The potential for just more exploration in so the Lakers were already a devastating fast break team last season. And mm-hmm. a lot of that was triggered off of two key lanes that were being filled. I feel like deep corner, which KCP was great at, and he's one of the quickest players of court that you'll find as an off ball worker and the rim running typically by like a a Dwight or a JaVale, right? Now, the Lakers love... Or, or AD. Or AD, AD yeah. even more AD than, especially than that anything, early. really. Yeah. yeah. This is the point I was going to make, Mike, is that the Lakers lost that with Dwight and JaVale, but what they gain is the trail player who you can play through at the top of the key. That opens up middle lane, the rim run, for AD, to, for him to eat. Like, that's his spot now. Right. So the potential, not only for that wide pin down stuff, Pete, but for those quick duck ins for high lows. Right. Mm -hmm. Or also like wide pin down actions where it's slip actions, too. Right. Mm -hmm. So AD Russo Kuz will eat off of that. Well, AD could be going to set that wide pin down 
for KCP, for for example, you play or through Matthews Gasol. can shoot off of screens too. Matthews can shoot off of those better than Danny could, right? So that's yeah, absolutely, and exactly right. Just a name to keep in mind here, uh, Pete. Before you kick us to break, Frank Vogel, another one of his sort of mentioned a guy without being asked about him. He kept saying Schroeder. He's like Schroeder speeds us up. He speeds us up in transition. Speeds us up in half court. He speeds us up defensively. He makes them exponentially quicker. And they were already fast. So watch out for that. Uh, that guy is a blur. And when he on his own can ignite a lot of this stuff too. And with the first unit, with the second unit. So that's that's something that'll be fun to watch as well. Oh, I, I love that you brought him up because th- that's that igniter type of guy you can, that can take the same group of other four guys and just change the personality uh, very quickly. So that's I'm really excited to see that. This is awesome. Let's take a break. Break. We went a little long before we uh, got to our break. When we come back, let's geek out a little bit about the young guys, right? Maybe uh, THT, Devontae Kaycock, maybe not guys that we expect to be in the top 10 of the rotation, but the preseason is going to be big for them. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts when we come back from the break. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Mike, I I really marvel at the at Taylor Horton Tucker's basketball experience so far. His NBA experience is so unique in so many ways. His only season in the league is in a bizarre season that gets stopped and then ends in the bubble. He ends up winning a title with the team. Gets a little bit of run in one game, right? Uh, and but also. What a place to grow up and learn, right? With all of the, from at every level, right? All of the the people that he's surrounded with. And like you said, you take a look at him and he looks like he's really gotten his body right. And um, Vogel's had a lot of unsolicited praise about him, as as you've said. What are you looking, like, what's that going to look like when we see that on the court this preseason, do you think? So I, I've referenced the Vogel praise and I've, 
figure I may as well just say exactly what the sentence was because it speaks louder than even us saying, oh yeah, Vogel For sure. was speaking his prayer. So here's the quote. He continues to impress. The young man has a great attitude, a great spirit, comes to work every day with humility, and just goes out there and kicks people's butts. He's a heck of a talent, and he's had a great two days here. So this is two days ago uh, that Vogel said this. So I, as upon hearing that, I think just like you guys, my eyebrow kind of raised a little bit. I was like, hmm, interesting. So I just I shot a text to somebody and just THT question mark and with with basically like linked to that tweet right to, to say Vogel's quote and I just got the kind of like the dot 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 like yeah like that it's real like that's what that's what's been going on here at practice so now Ooh. now here's the here's the I'm gonna I'm just gonna do this to not that I want to doubt you know put uh douse the flames or anything but it is his it should be his goal at that age of 20 to be coming out like that and just all energy flying around against some of these older guys, these guys that just played like that. So just bake that in a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. This is not against LeBron and AD going full speed, 100%, whereas he should be going full speed, 100%. But so that's, that's the little bit. I just want to play devil's advocate a little bit on my own point, but nonetheless, uh, that is, that is not, you may hear a guy say a coach say, Oh yeah, you know what? He's coming along. Like the shot looks better, but you don't hear that kind of stuff. So it has it has gotten me um, very curious to see what he's added. And just keeping it simple with this, that's part of why they drafted him uh, where they did. He was young. He had, quote unquote, upside, right? Like he had the length. He's kind of this unique body, this unique skill set. And they thought, here's a guy in the second round that uh, that just he could get a lot better quickly. And maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's going to happen even quicker than we expected. He is a dude who fascinates me. I said this to you on a pod last season, Pete, but um, he looks like he could play for the Rockets because of like, he is one of those barrel chested, like thick two C's guys. Tucker, right? Gordon. Tucker. Yeah. 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 Eric Gordon too. Yeah. Yeah. All those guys. Right. Um, And incredibly long arms and a Chicago boy. Right. The Lakers have one of those already in in AD. Those guys carry a rap, like those guys carry it different a lot of times when it's time to go out there and compete. Pat Bev's another Chicago guy. When we were growing up, Pete Doc Rivers, another Chicago guy. Isaiah Thomas, another Chicago guy. The, like in the same way that what was that? Oh, sorry, uh, D Rose. Oh yeah, D Rose. Right. So yeah. the. Those guys have a little bit something to them, right? And not now, obviously, not all those guys are going to succeed or whatever. But regionally, it's like one of the things I love about the game, right? Is like you've got all these yeah, LA, Seattle guys got yeah, their own Seattle guy, yeah. LA yeah. guys yeah. got their own thing. You've got Philly guys who are a certain way, right? Like you know, so yeah, it's part of the culture of basketball for sure. Exactly, and and I love that stuff, and and so he's just a player who fascinates me man like is he a two is he a three he in college he handled the ball a lot he wrecked people for the sbl team man for like south bay his highlights were like look at this kid right and like some 19 year old pup going out there fearless and and like basically no f's given from well, from him. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's the G League. Oh, well, now it's the second round of the playoffs. It's like, oh, look, there's James Harden. I'm going to 
let me pump fake and have Eric Gordon fly by me because I just hit a three, right? A possession or two ago. Now, oh, look, it's James Harden. Let me Euro step him and then throw up a finger roll at the basket. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, you're actually not scared. You actually don't care that it's the second round of the playoffs. And so I'm with you, Mike, in terms of the idea that, yes, he is 20. There are rookies this year who are already 20, right, who are older than him. So I'm super interested in just seeing, like, okay, it's the preseason. Like, let him cook. Just let him go out there and cook. Yeah, there's a great deal of versatility in his skill set. And that's what's exciting about him is that you can put him in just about any lineup. And there are a few things that he, like, and with the vast majority of players, they have elements of their game that that's just not, that's not why they're in the NBA. And he's more of a Swiss army knife, right? And I'm curious to see what is THT's, what's his go-to stuff, right? What's his... I can rely on this. The, usually even with players that are kind of generalists and that's how I would uh, describe his skill set. What's the first thing that, because those are the type of guys that they can be great on a G league team because they can be the LeBron of that G league team. But if you're coming to the NBA, your generalists are LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? Like you're not getting to play the generalist role that does a little bit of, of everything unless you make it happen. Right. And so, uh, what are the first skills that kind of emerge for me, his, his ball handling and playmaking, that's going to be a big thing I'm looking for, for, from THT is how well can he handle the ball? Make, I want to see him making like pick and roll reads, like common plays, but also the I'm attacking a closeout and I just got to read the defense type of plays. Can he do that at this speed? I think that's one of the first things that a young player you know, has to, has to learn. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I hope he gets 25, 30, 30 minutes a night in this preseason and uh, gets an opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them. Because if he has that mentality that Vogel was saying in the quote, that Mike read, then those are the types of guys that will learn from that, learn from their experiences in the film room. And, but just getting on tape is going to be really important for him. I, I love to Mike, just that he has veterans here right? He's not playing with a bunch of other rookies. He's going to have Jared Dudley in his ear, LeBron in his ear, Markeith Morris in his ear, Anthony Davis in his ear, and on and on and on up and down the roster. He's got good veteran pros who are smart, who know the game and who have made their way in this league by being just really good basketball players. And, and to me, that influence that they have to offer him. And if he is humble, the way that Frank Vogel is saying, like that's just a great mix, especially for a young guy who has as much raw talent as he does. I got a, a pretty good look at him and I did a number of SBL uh, games last year. And so, you know, I'm sitting courtside and paying you know and he as the guy that was playing the most that would also be up with the lakers i was particularly trying to zoom in on him and i it, th there are a couple comparisons i want to make or maybe just one but uh, caruso when i saw him play in the g league he was and he's he's voiced this before he was trying to figure out okay what do i do here that like what can i show them that is going to translate to the next level and his conclusion was that's not to be a score and that's not to just attack it's to it's to do all of these little things and do them great and clearly that worked really well 
THT, I didn't get quite the same feel because like when I watched him, I thought he was trying at the expense sometime of his efficiency and at the expense, uh, whether it was from two or three, he was just trying stuff to get better. And, and like that, so both of those, I think, are smart ways to use the G League. Now, in the one sense, since THG was a draft pick, right, he's coming in like he's got all the confidence in the world. He still thinks that he can be an NBA star one day, I think. Like, I, I think that he's got that he, – he's not there just trying to fit in. He's like, I, I'm good. Uh, like, As well he should, yeah. And, and, which is exciting. And so whereas Caruso – and has become like a star in a different way as this just elite role player that you want on the court at all times. But, you know, he was also older at that point when he was in the G League. And so he it was a little bit more clear. So it's just it's an interesting contrast. And it's interesting to think how SBL has had this forum for guys and like Kaycock, I would put a little bit more in the Crusoe uh, category where he's um, he's rebounding his ass off. He's putting balls back. He's scoring efficiently. He's running his ass up and down the court. Like he's doing role player stuff uh, for the big guy. But THT's out there in his bag. He's crossing guys over. He's he's using the big body to get into the paint, as Darius said, using his dribble moves. Um, then once he gets in there, he can extend the long arm. Um, he can finish with both hands. He can go around the rim. Like he's he's just trying stuff. And I, I, you know, he even did that a little bit against the Rockets, which was, which it it was awesome in part because the shots were going in, but it like, there was no lack of confidence there. Right. And and that's what he went out there. Yeah. He was, he went out there. He was ready to go. Mike, he was, he had no fear. Like Darius was saying uh, a moment ago. Right. And, and Kaycock's like that too. Right. Like Darius was talking about the guys that he has around him with respect to THT of the different people to learn from. When if you would ask me last year, like who does Devontae Kaycock remind you of the most in the NBA, just archetype wise, I'd say Montrez Harrell, Dress, right? Yeah. This guy who's who's an absolute monster, a little bit shorter, but has you know really long wingspan, is just devastating around the rim, and he can like think of who Devontae Kaycock has to learn from now in in both Harrell and AD, right? And even LeBron, right? As as that like sized type of guy. So what an environment to to learn in. And what I'm curious about with him is can he defend at this level? He could, I think already right now, he could be one of the better rebounders in the NBA if he got minutes. Even if it was just a Reggie Evans type of thing where that was the one thing he did, that guy rebounds his ass off. And he's already like a really high level rebounder, even at the NBA level, in my opinion. And in in the G League last year, just to underscore your point quickly, uh, 12 rebounds in 23.8 minutes. That's insane. And, and, And this is the leading rebounder in college basketball as a junior. So that's, that's, I think the, the biggest difference between him and Harold is that he is a ridiculous rebounder on both sides of the court. He doesn't have quite the same, uh, maybe scoring polish, but he still put up 19 points a game on 66%. And like a lot of that is from grabbing rebounds, like 4.2 offensive rebounds. But yeah, like, let me kick it back to you. But that's the, that, that skill translates to the NBA as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of the more from college to other levels that if you're a great rebounder, it's one of the few things that once you get to the NBA, that doesn't carry over. Um, But so defensively, though, that to me is where his future lies. He showed a little bit of like ball handling ability. He's got a great deal of agility. And that's kind of where my mind goes with him defensively. But as a five, as a guy who does not have a 
you know, four spacing. He's not going to be a guy that you run your offense through. Um, he he can finish as a lob threat. You can score, as Mike just said. You can do perfectly well on putbacks and lobs. Um, but on the defensive end, a guy like him has to have a defensive role. From what you've seen of him, and I know it's been limited, but what is what's Kaycock's path to those to becoming a, an NBA defender? Well, that that is the trick, Pete, and that's why you know you didn't see him as a higher draft pick. Right. Is there there isn't that obvious that is he going to defend fours? Is he going to defend fives? He's kind of in that in between spot. And honestly, I think you could say part of the same thing about Harold um, still to this day. That, mm-hmm. And that's 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 another question that he can answer. Right. Is if he's going to be in some of these closing uh, closing lineups, but he doesn't have that the elite length uh, like the A.D., the JaVale, the Dwight, like the super, the super elite length in that sense. Um, And I think that he's what he's done and how he plays is super effective. It's double double. You know, it's high efficiency. That, That that's something that seems that you always can use a guy like that. But this Laker team has the best front line in basketball. Um, by a lot. And so can you get legit minutes on, on that type of a squad without being a bit more of a specialty player and having a guy to guard defensively? So I don't have an answer um, for you right now. I do think that's the thing that he has to, um, that he has to prove more. And, you know, in the G league, it's, you're not going against a ton of high level, you know, like post or a really just high level super threats uh, that are that sure. i could evaluate him on as especially the, oh, yeah, amongst can, bigs right yeah, ex- yeah exactly especially amongst bigs so I, I don't know darius maybe you saw something different there but i'm i'm very much in i need to see him play more minutes against nba caliber guys before i can really answer that defensive question yeah i think this preseason is going to be a assuming that he gets a fair amount of run right the thing that i always look for pete in terms of big man defense isn't even necessarily like how you hold up in the post or anything like that. It's like, what are your rotations like? Right. Are you, are you where you're supposed to be? Are you there? Do you know what you're doing? (laughs) Like, are you there early? Right. Or are you there late? Because even a half a step late or in worst case scenarios, a full step late or in ultra worst case scenarios, like, Oh, you didn't move at all. Right. Like, and that happens. Like, which one, which level are you at? Right. Now, Kaycock seems like the type of guy who's always going to play hard. His motor is always revving high. So I don't, I'll never mistake him not doing well at something as a lack of want. Right. Right. Some guys just don't have the instincts back there to be that type type of guy now if you have the physical tools and you have technique you can maybe thrive at other things maybe you can be a better switch player right maybe like maybe you can hold up better in isolations and guard players who are smaller than you right and, and so maybe he wouldn't then be the guy who you ask to anchor the back line but instead you play him as on someone who's who's going to do a little bit more chasing right or on a stretch big man so i don't have an answer as to like what his path is but there are definitely archetypes for him to fit into depending on where he's at from an instinctive level imo but that's 
that's the thing is I think you actually did hit the path for him is that ability on the perimeter. He's not going to be a guy that protects the rim well enough to, for that to be his niche on the, on the NBA level, but he's got a great deal of agility and short area, lateral explosiveness. That is a guy that, that with film work and because that's the, the, the connection between the motor that he certainly has and being effective in your rotations is knowledge, right? And, and anticipation, which comes from knowledge, right? Knowing that this is happening right now, that means I need to be here. And then the physical ability takes over, right? Um, but he's got a future defensively on the perimeter more so than down in the paint. And I think that's going to be the future that we see a lot for fives, especially guys who are trying, to, who are not like stars, right? But guys who are finding their roles and place in the NBA is kind of like in the NFL, you know how you've got a 3-4 defensive tackle versus a 4-3 defensive tackle, and they kind of have different jobs. Uh, the Maybe you can't defend as a five in every pick and roll scheme or every coverage, but can you play in a style of play like, can you be that out, that pass rushing outside linebacker, right? That on third down comes in and that is your job. And so uh, I think that kaycock has got a future in that respect. So for him, it's going to be experience, work in the film room and, and all of that, that I think he's you know, got an NBA career in front of him because that rebounding ability, the, his finishing around the rim, it's not Harold, but he's, he's good. He's a good finisher around the rim motor. He can dribble the ball a little bit. Like if he catches, the ball in a short roll he can dribble once and pick it up and make that read in the four on three like there's something there and so I'm I'm really excited about him you mentioned the shot blocking yeah I mean he only averaged half a shot like 0.4 blocks per game right in the G League right. and so that's that's not his skill set you know Costas into the compo is a much better shot blocker he's got that more explosive length that he was 1.3 per game in 25 minutes and you know he's still intriguing uh, in some senses just the with that raw uh, athleticism that he has and uh, he also dunks everything that he catches near the paint so right. i you know those guys those they still have uh, I, I think costa still has a little bit of ways to go but kaycock I, I would feel fine throwing him in the game with the second unit go get some rebounds finish a couple yep. you know put that but you know that's those for when the big squad's all there you got harold doing that already so i'd like to see him keep polishing that under in in get better at the things Harold has, uh, has perfect, I shouldn't say perfected, but um, he has the way that he has, uh, has kind of put a nice fine tune tuning on his game and then really hit up Frank Vogel and the staff for the defensive concepts that you guys have been talking about and figure out that he can really have success as a blitzer um, more and get to uh, get to the perimeter and see if that's a way that he can, can contribute there. So uh, certainly things to watch for in these preseason games. What are your thoughts on Costas, Pete? I... Or Costas, I should say. He's a remarkable athlete, like plus athlete, even on the NBA level. I just, I think he's too far behind from an understanding and skills standpoint relative to his age, where like, if it was going to happen, it probably would have happened by now. But um, yeah, that, I mean, the, it, he's, he's a remarkable athlete, right? And he can, you can put him even in an NBA game and he's not going to look out of place from an athleticism standpoint. Right. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a little lower on him. Where, where are you at on that, Mike? Yeah. I mean, so he's, I think he's 23. Um, he's uh, yeah. No, so November 20th, 1997. And he, you're, I think you're right. The, the, 
he's so athletic and he's got, you know, a decent pair of hands that in a G league game, um, he can have a nice stat line, but there, there isn't always the execution elements there, um, with it. And so can, can that stuff get fast tracked at this point? You would think that it's, it's tougher to get there at, uh, given where the age is at this point. So I, I don't disagree, Pete, with that, uh, with the way that you put it. But I think they, you know, they clearly see something in him um, to want to keep developing him because the what he does have in that skill set, the 6'10", the long arms, the pop off the floor, uh, the that, that stuff is the unteachable stuff. And so maybe there is still uh, an element there that they, they think can be taught. Uh, and I know they were looking forward to having him play more in the G League. We don't know if that's going to happen this season. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he's made a leap because maybe he's been working his ass off all off season, uh, and maybe he has made a leap going into the preseason. Yes. So I agree with what both both of you guys are saying. He's a little old to still look as green as he does. Is like how I'd phrase it. And very succinct. Yeah. Right. So the intriguing side of the athleticism and all that stuff. I think that you're always looking for a guy that pops, right? And, and, and pops for whatever reason that they pop. And when a guy pops athletically, I feel like there's always going to be a little bit of, of, of tantalizing, like, can, like, can you turn this coal into a diamond? Right. And that's likely what the Lakers are doing. Like it doesn't hurt what his last name is either you know <laughs> i'm just saying it like it doesn't it doesn't so yeah well no comment from either of no, us no 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 this is awesome i'm looking forward to this this preseason glad to have lakers basketball back got first game on friday on spectrum at 7 p.m pacific time uh looking forward to watching that another game on sunday and we'll be back next week what's up d no i want it so you were talking about the game and giving us the specs and all all of that before we started to to record. Mike was saying that he had a little bit of maybe behind the scenes insight about what actually watching a game for us on TV was going to look like. And so since oh, we're thank you for reminding me. So, yes, oh, you, we're transitioning well, to you. like, hey, there's a yes. game tomorrow. Watch it. I totally what, forgot about this. what are they thank actually you. going to be watching. Mike, do you like, can, yeah, can, I, can you give us any clues? I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you what I know. I, I think this will, I'll give you the full debrief of what it was like in the arena when we gather on uh, for the pot on Sunday. But so in short, what I understand is that those of us on the TV crew, so that's of course, Billy Mack and Stu, they will be in their typical broadcast position, which is at the top for people that have been in the building of 111 center court, almost near the top of that lower bowl. Uh, I am typically down on the court with the some of the other beat reporters and some of the lead uh, national type people. And as I understand it, all of that is going to be uh, the, no access for any media, um, anybody whatsoever. So we're all going to enter uh, like you would enter if you're going to go to a Laker game on that, um, like right there, Chicker and Court, main entrance. And there's going to be uh, there's going to be essentially like a, a, a rope where by which and of course, all of this is to limit um, as much as possible any spread um, of COVID. And I think we all respect that and want to make sure that masks are on at all times. And, and I, I think the number of people there is going to be super, super limited, which is going to be strange. 
like usually when I park my car and get out and it's just immediately right there's there's people everywhere there's a million ushers and people and then the media come in and then fans start arriving and they're outside and they're like all of that experience is going to be gone it's just going to be like walking in it's like wait is this a holiday is where is everybody so that part and then when you're actually watching the game um I I think it might work a little bit like it'll probably look a little bit better at Staples than some other arenas because you're used to seeing kind of the blackout outside of the court and the spotlights are on the court. Of course, we're going to miss seeing everybody courtside, but I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing game ops wise for what that's going to look like. It's going to look different from the bubble, but I do think that you'll hear some piped in sound, uh, whether or not that's for the preseason regular season is a different thing. And then, but when you see uh, like Bill and Stu, they will be up, uh, as I mentioned before, and I will be up, I think, with like a camera looking down on the court far behind me, as opposed to, you know, LeBron or AD usually warms up like about two feet away um, from where I do my hit. He gets his kind of final stretch on and then he walks over to the huddle. So that kind of stuff will be weird. Um, I'll, I'll stop rambling at this point and give you guys no, more great. of the I'll give you I'll give you the more of the insight uh, from from what it's actually like. But it's going to be a, a super unique thing. And, and I'm you know, as excited as I am to go, I'm also kind of, I'm just bummed that it's not going to be to go see all of the Laker fans, especially with the rings coming soon, you know, and especially with all of the Laker fans that have sort of had these seasons that were tough. And now is the year that everybody gets to flex a little bit and sort of puff their chest out and wear their finals shirts. And like that stuff's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bummer not to see that, but at least we'll all get to sort of go through it watching on television and, and, uh, and share it that way. I will say too, that, just like we opened the pod, it's 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 preseason for all of the game op stuff, too. Right. And there's going to I think there's going to be a feeling out about what works and what doesn't. We saw that with the bubble right where I thought as as the restart happened, those initial sort of preseason games versus what we saw by game four, five, six of the bubble and then into to the playoffs. I thought the presentation only got better and better and better. And I would expect to see, you, you know, that same evolution with the Lakers as they figure out what they're going to do with these giant arenas like Staples Center and how they're going to put on a basketball game that is both appealing to watch while also giving the players the platform to go out there and perform. So I'm looking forward to it. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun to figure out all of that and, uh, you know, see what it's like. So thank you for sharing that, Mike. Thank you for reminding reminding me of that, Darius. A uh, lot of fun. Can't wait for this season to start. We'll be here to cover all of it. Um, but until the next one, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Let's go. One. Listen. Brian. Unbelievable. What a victory.
It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.